0: In a series of thought for a little while and we thought we were moving on from that thought of uh, Kairos and Kronos um, but the Lord had other ideas so we are going to do at least another week on Kronos and Kairos. Kronos being watch time, daytime, hours, minutes, seconds. Kronos we live by the chronological times of life. We all know that one and we all say oh I haven't got enough time for this or I've got not enough time for something else. But then we live by the Kairos moments that God brings into our world, those moments that he orchestrates, that he brings about, that all of a sudden a window moment opens and we step into a God moment. And I guarantee we've all stepped into God moments in our journey, in our life. They may have been moments of surprise. They may have been moments you think, I was expecting that to happen. But God came through um, in an incredible way. So Kairos is what we're really focusing on. And there are numerous Kairos moments recorded in so many people's lives throughout the Bible. So many in the life of Jesus I I, I can guarantee you every moment, every waking moment of his life was a God moment. You know, he, he didn't waste time. He used his time in everything that God wanted him to do. David served the purposes of God in his generation. You know, we look at David's life and there are moments when you can see he lived by the flesh or he lived by his carnal nature, but then there are other moments in, in his life where it was a Kairos moment, the moment when he walks out to face Goliath. He was told to go down there by his dad, go, pick, uh, go and deliver some cheese and, and wine to to the generals. Hopefully they have favor with your brothers and they get promoted. It, it wasn't quite that way, but if you read into the story, you could think of it that way. David happens to turn up, just at the moment when Goliath stands forth and says... I defile you, the children of Israel. Come out to me and fight. And David, as a young lad, 17, 18 maybe, 17 I think he was, you know, he thinks he's the bee's knees. He said, I'll take this, uh, this Philistine's head off his shoulders. He goes, you know, all the soldiers look around and say, you need to go and see King Saul. The rest of his brothers said, go back home to your dad, But he goes off and sees King Saul, tries tries on the armor of King Saul, clunks around in it, and he says, this is useless. But it wasn't a man-made moment. It was a God moment. And all the time we're walking around in things that we class as man-made, we'll never see God break through. And in that moment, he took off the man-made stuff, and he said, God, I trust you picked up five smooth stones. Why did he pick up five? One did it. He had some brothers he had to get rid of. (laughs) And they were all giants as well. And he did, he took them all out. But anyway, that's another story. Kairos moment, David, right time, right place, right moment. Right place, right time, right moment. Guess what? We all live with that kind of a lifestyle. We all live in moments when God positions us for such a time as this. Esther. We've talked about Esther. She was was just an orphan girl in the middle of her land doing nothing special for God. Then all of a sudden, there's a call for a queen, a new queen in the land. They prepare her, get her ready, send her off she's in the king's court all of a sudden the word of god comes maybe you're here for such a time as this oh you could go through gideon you could go through all sorts of individuals but they were all there how about jonah Jonah, running from God. Do you know what? Even when we're running from God, God can arrest us. He can get us to a position where all of a sudden he gets our attention and we are focused on him. We're running from the purposes of God. God had told Jonah, go to Nineveh, save the city. No, he says, go and do your own thing, Lord. I'm doing my own thing. Guess what? We can be found to be doing our own thing in life. And it's not the thing that God called us to do. But all of a sudden, we're thrown off the back of a boat. We're in the bottom of an ocean. The whale comes along, or the big fish, as the Bible says, swallows us up, spits us out, and all of a sudden we're fulfilling the will of God. God knows where you're at. That, to me, shows God knows where I'm at in life. He knows my ups, my downs. He knows when I'm walking close. He knows when I'm at a distance. And it, 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 he, he wants us to walk close. But even when we're at a distance, he knows how to get us. He knows how to draw us back. Just like with the prodigal son. The prodigal son, he went off and did his own thing. There came a sudden moment in his life, a kairos moment in his life, where he says, hang on, even the servants in my father's house are eating better than I am. We can call it a wake-up call, but I call it a kairos moment, where all of a sudden he realized there was no further place to go than back to his father's house. And I believe the Kairos moment in our lives, they happen on a regular basis, but we don't see them. We're not aware of them because we're so conscious of our natural world rather than godly thinking, spiritual thinking. And if we became more in tune with him, we would see more Kairos moments than we've ever thought we would have. I want to talk about a Kairos moment that changed the world forever. It changed society. It changed what Christianity was going to look like. It changed what the church was going to look like. It was a Kairos moment that changed the world. If you've got your Bible, turn with me to Acts chapter 2. You can look at the moment when Jesus was born as a Kairos moment, and I believe it was in the fullness of time Jesus was born. We know that. We we can look at the moment at age 12 when he he was down in in the in the in jerusalem i think it was and he was um with the scribes and the pharisees he was he was teaching them and his parents had left they'd left the festival they left the feast and they're going back home but jesus was still there i believe it was a kairos moment there was a wake-up call and jesus said i must be about my father's business he recognized that Joseph was no longer... He, was, he wasn't his earthly father, but God was his father. And he spoke out. It was a kairos moment. The moment that Jesus was in the upper room um, with the disciples having that last supper, that was a kairos moment. Every one of those men in that room were having a wake-up call. What was happening? What was about to happen? When Jesus was arrested and he went to the cross, it was a kairos moment for the entire world. For God so loved the world in the fullness of time... Jesus was crucified for you and I to take away our sin, to take away the sin of the world. It was a Kairos moment. But I tell you, on the day of Pentecost, on the day of Pentecost, everything changes. Not just in Jesus' life and not just in the lives of those that were being ministered to by Jesus. But all of a sudden, everyone who puts their trust in Jesus at the day of Pentecost, their lives are completely changed forever. I'm going to read this passage from Acts chapter 2. And it says this, when the day of Pentecost had fully come. Now we know that they had celebrated the the, the festival of Pentecost for hundreds and thousands of years. But when the day, the fulfillment of the day of Pentecost, which was the Holy Spirit coming. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord and in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. The coming of the Holy Spirit was a game changer. The coming of the Holy Spirit was a game changer. You know, up until that moment, Jesus walked the earth filled with the Holy Spirit. Previous to that, men of old, prophets of old, those who walked with God, those who were, who were God lovers, the Holy Spirit came upon them and left. But on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came and resided. He wasn't, going to take, he wasn't going to go back to heaven and come back and go back to heaven and come back. He now lives in the hearts of those that confess Jesus as Lord and Savior. Before Pentecost, there was Jesus doing all the miracles, doing all the signs and wonders, except for the delegated authority that he gave to his disciples, and then they went in his name. After Pentecost, he said, the same spirit that is in me will now live in you. And the works that I do, you will do also. And greater works than these shall you do. Why? Because the Spirit, the same Holy Spirit that was in Jesus' life, the same Holy Spirit that was involved at creation, the same Holy Spirit has now come to abide in you and me. I I just—it is mind blowing. But you've got to receive it in your spirit. You've got to reprogram the thinking of our mind because the thinking of our mind—it's mind blowing. To think that the third person of the Trinity, the third person of the Godhead now lives in here. It's hard to comprehend. But we know it in our heart. We know it deep inside. And we, because he comes and lives in us, because we now live in him, we become the game changer. Because in this room, just say there's 120 of us. There's 120 christ-like ones filled with the holy spirit before pentecost there was one now in this room there's 120 of us then there's the church up the road and the church down the road and the church over there and we should be we should be seeing the world turned upside down we should be seeing such an impact of the spiritual wave of god move upon this nation and upon this world shouldn't we But what we're seeing is the filth of this world infiltrating the church, the established church. You know, when you look at what they've accepted over these last two weeks, you think, what will the Church of England empty because they can't sit in such compromise? Who knows where this could go? But we've got to stand for what the Word of God teaches. We've got to stand by what the Holy Spirit in us reveals through his truth. The coming of the Holy Spirit was a moment that changed lives forever. Jesus said, I won't leave you powerless, but I will send the Holy Spirit. I don't know if what you feel like in your life. I don't know if you feel powerless. Oh, it's only me. Well, don't, don't look at you as being only you. Recognize that Christ lives in you. If Christ lives in you, it's not just, it's only me. It's only me. It's not. It is Christ in you, the hope of glory. It's Christ in you that is your redemption. It's the power of the Holy Spirit in you that changes the world. It's the power of the Spirit that heals the sick. It raises the dead. It gives strength to the weak. It's the Holy Spirit in you. I can do nothing. I can't, you know, when I pray for the prayer request, I can do nothing. I can pray a good prayer, but I can't heal. I can't send comfort. I can't do anything in my natural self. But I release my faith in the one who can. And it's him who goes to work. It's him who hears our prayers and moves on our behalf. It's heaven's touch upon earth. I just really want to stir us up to believe in these Kairos moments where we can stand in the gap for others, where we can stand in a position, in a queue, waiting to be served by whoever. And you can have a Kairos moment where it says pray for the person who's serving you. Pay for the bill of the person behind you. Where we stand in that moment and Christianity becomes alive and exciting rather than mundane and boring. Christianity has got to come alive on the inside of who we are, like it was on the day of Pentecost, like it was when those 120 were filled with the Holy Spirit and the fire of God came upon them and they left that upper room and they transformed 3,000 lives that day few days later, 5,000. How big was the church in, in Jerusalem? How big was that church? I've said it a couple of times now. In just a couple of weeks, it was 8,120 people. We, we, hello. Hello, Valentina. Hello. Here we go. This is a good girl. <laughs> Suffer the little children to come to me. <laughs> anyway, anyway, is that, are you, are you getting, are you stirring on the inside like I am? Because when we know Him and we know what He wants to do through us, we won't live with a lid on our life. See, the lid that we place upon our life is what we feel we can do. And we say, that's the lid. I I, I don't feel I can pray for the the sick. I, I don't know what to say. I don't feel I can witness to people effectively. I don't know what to say. But we place a lid on ourselves when we should say, Spirit of God, here I am. I'm wholly available to you. And he says that when we open our mouth, he will fill it. When we lay hands on the sick, he will heal them. Not me, him. Not you, but him. It always, when someone comes to me and says, Pastor Jeff, what a great message. Not very often, but when they do. I'm only kidding. But when they do, I know that he gave me what I say. So I can't take credit and say, well, yeah, I worked so hard to get that, those points. No, it, it goes to him. Everything in our life goes to him. We, we just keep pointing, keep pointing to him. Because he's the one who gets the glory. How important is it that we live filled? That we live Empowered? That we walk with the anointing. When you think the, that anointing that Jesus had, I think it's Acts 10 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, and he went around healing all that were sick and oppressed of the enemy. That same anointing is in you, not in these physical hands. But the anointing is resident in us. What are we doing with that anointing? Who are we laying hands on? Who are we praying for? Who are we witnessing to? If that same anointing removes burdens and destroys yokes, we have such a responsibility as the church, not as the leader, but as the church. I'm equipped, I'm, I'm, I'm the, the, my position in the church is to equip you for works of ministry. That's, you, you may look at me and say, well, that's the works of ministry. No, I'm equipping you for works of ministry. To lay hands on the sick, to walk with those who are oppressed, to support the weak and the lonely. That, that's us, all of us. We need to be walking conscious of the presence of the Holy Spirit. When was the last time you said, Holy Spirit, come fill me? Fill me afresh. Fill me anew. Use me for your glory. Is that a daily prayer? Is it a now and again prayer? Is it only when you hear it mentioned in church prayer? I, I, I don't say this to condemn or to frustrate, or, or, but to stir. Stir. To cause you to think, oh, I haven't haven't asked the Holy Spirit to fill me for weeks. No wonder I feel dry. (laughs) When was the last time you had a cup of tea? Well, some of you, it was before the meeting. Why? Because you were thirsty and you wanted a drink. I wonder when the last time you said, Holy Spirit, fill this cup. And that it may be filled to overflowing. Psalm 23. My cup is full and overflowing. My cup, he fills us, but he fills us when we ask. He says, don't, don't be drunk with wine, whereas in excess. But be being filled with the Holy Spirit, continually coming back for more, continually drawing from that well of, of the Spirit in our life. He doesn't want us to walk in barren places and wildernesses. He doesn't want us to walk in desert places. He doesn't want us to be famished and all the rest of it. He wants us to be lush and filled. When, when I think of the Holy Spirit and I think of different passages in the Bible, in, in Ezekiel, when it talks about the river of life and wherever the river goes, it brings life to it. That river, for you and I, we can, we can step into that river, river of, and we can be ankle deep. And today you may be saying, yeah, I'm an ankle-deep Christian. I'm walking in the shallows of my life. I'm still walking in the shallows of my Christian experience. I'm still walking in the shallows of existing and being used by God. But God doesn't want you to stay in the shallows of your life. He says there's more. And that's what he said, man of God, go a little deeper what am I saying to us today? Come on, let's go a little deeper. Let's go a little deeper. Oh, and then it goes, the river goes up to your knees. And you begin to, you know, we, we go down to the land where we go do the baptisms. In, and there's parts of the river, it's only de- up to your knees. And if you walk into the sea or wherever, and And you feel a little bit of resistance. You feel that there's a bit of power in the river. Do you know what? The deeper you go, the less of you that lives. And the more of Him lives in you. The more that you allow Him, the less you're in control. And I just want to encourage you, church, all of us, me included, let's stop enjoying the shallow and go deeper. Go deeper. Can you imagine if every one of us in this room made that commitment today and we say, I'm going deeper? I'm going deeper. And then the, the, the word comes again to the man of God. And he says, Look, just go out a little bit more. And he goes out and he's waist deep. And this river is flowing. When you've got a flowing river, there is resistance. And I tell you, there is a resistance to every one of our life. And that comes from the enemy. And the enemy will resist you. In your life. He will try and stop you from going deeper with God. He will bring the naysayers. He will bring circumstances. But he will bring negativity to stop you going deeper with God. There comes a point when in in this particular passage where the word of God comes again. The The word comes again to the man of God, and he says, Go out deeper. Not so that you're standing on your own two feet, but that you are now swimming, that you are now free to go where the Spirit leads. That's the place he wants us to get to. We're all on a journey, every one of us. But if you're still at ankle deep and you've been a Christian for however many months or years, go deeper. There is more. There is more to God than what you're experiencing right now. And if you're a Christian, you've been swimming and enjoying the things of the Spirit, and you've been enjoying the things of God, there is always more depths of, in God to go. Always. I just really want to encourage every one of us in this room. Don't settle for where you are. Don't stay in the shallows. Push out deeper. We need the Holy Spirit present daily in our life ask him in that moment when you wake up in that moment when you're doing your teeth whatever it is in those early moments of your day holy spirit fill me anew fill me afresh if if god said to the children of israel in the wilderness you cannot live off the same manner that you did yesterday why do we expect anything different of the spirit today Let's have fresh manner, the word of God, fresh spirit, fresh, um, fresh impartation to our life on a daily basis. Here I am. Use me this day. And do you know what? That prayer, God will use you. And you'll be moving into Kairos moments because there is a sensitivity to your heart, to the spirit. That's what God is ultimately looking for in all of our lives. That we are so sensitive to the voice, the calling, the leading, the directing, the, the, to be aware of the circumstances, to be aware of the spirit that may be at work in any given situation. That we become more sensitive to him. Romans chapter 8 says this. See, this is, um, what I'm actually sharing with you is normal Christianity. Anything, be, anything less than this actually isn't normal. We've just allowed it to become our norm. Normal Christianity for the Acts church was being led by the Spirit, being used by the Spirit, and laying hands on people so that the Spirit can flow through them. That's normal Christianity. Let's not get used to something that's less than that. Or else the church will become ineffective in our generation. Romans chapter 8 says this, verse 13. For if you live according to the dictates of the flesh, you will surely die. But if through the power of the Holy Spirit you are habitually put into death, making extinct and deadening the evil deeds prompted by the body, you shall really and genuinely live Forever. For all who are led by the Spirit of God, are the sons of God. If we're being led by the Spirit, you know that again to me shows if you're being led by the Spirit, you will walk into Kairos moments. I, 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 I just as I'm thinking about this, I, I think about uh, Peter and John. They've been baptized in the Holy Spirit. They've been had the fullness of God upon them. They walk into the temple together just as they would normally do, as it they, was their accustomed to do. They're walking to the temple. They may have walked past the guy at the beggars and those that were calling out for their support and help every single day. But as was custom, they went to the temple to pray. And as they went, this guy begins to cry out, have you got any money? Would you give me some money? And Peter turns around and says, silver and gold I do not have, but such as I have, I give to you. Are we giving the such that we have? Sometimes in life, all someone needs is a hand up. That's what this guy needed. He was a cripple. He was on the floor. His life was a mess. He just needed a hand up. Do you know what? Every one of us in this room can do that. We can give another person a hand up. But it was such as he had. It wasn't about money. It wasn't about possessions. It wasn't about giving them a better lifestyle. He, the guy on the floor was looking for one thing. But Peter knew it was a Kairos moment. He said, silver and gold I do not have. But such as I have. I give to you in the name of Jesus. Rise up and walk. Guess what? He said, Jesus said, I give you my name. Now go in my name. Now go in my name. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Cast out demons. Freely you have received Freely give. Oh, it's very quiet in the room. I believe the presence of God's spirit is heavy here today. Why? Not heavy in an oppressive sense, but heavy because he's bringing an awareness. What am I doing with what I have? Such as I have, Peter said, I give. Too many Christians are saying, such as I have, I keep to myself. We've got to break that mould. We've got to break that way of thinking. Such as I have is mine and it's precious. Oh, it is. But such as I have, I give. I give. For God so loved the world that he... is the principle of heaven. It is absolutely the principle of heaven. What we have, we give to others. We give it away. We give that love to others. We give of the power and the anointing and the the spiritual impartation that God has given to us. The problem with the church today, not us. The problem with the day is the church today is they don't believe what's been given to them. We don't believe. The power of God is at work in us. We don't believe that we can do the miracles that Jesus said we could do. We're the problem, not him. But I tell you what, it's that moment when we begin to step out. We begin to, I don't know, Lord. This has to be you or else I'm going to fall flat on my face. You have to defend your name, but God knows it already. And we begin to do what the new beginning church did. The early church, they saw signs. They saw wonders. They saw miracles. They saw the power of God breaking out. They saw things happen. Why? Because they were in the right place at the right time doing the will of God. I believe it's important that we're listening to the voice of the spirit being led by the spirit walking by the spirit and in tune with the holy spirit the holy spirit is a person he's not a thing he's not a presence he's not a a, a tingle down the back the holy spirit is the third person of the godhead god the father god the son god the holy spirit and the Holy Spirit is omnipresent. He is with us all. You know, when Lyndon goes off to work and he he's doing whatever he does, and I've asked him many times what he does, and I still don't work out what he does. But whatever he's doing, he's doing it. But he's there present on your Monday morning doing your thing. As I'm in my office doing my thing. As, it, as he is with Barbara, who's taking a trip down to Asda Fairum to have a coffee with Steve, doing their thing. Patrick, good to see you. I was thinking of you and praying for you this morning. Great to see you, Patrick. It's those moments, knowing he's with us. When we're going into college, what a horrible place to be. I'm, I thank the Lord I'm not in college or university. <laughs> I would be the oldest member of the class, wouldn't I? I know that. I thank the Lord I'm not in college or university. I thank the Lord I'm not in school. But our kids need to know as they go to school, they are being empowered from on high. That we as parents are laying hands on our kids. That we're, we're impartating the Holy Spirit and we're praying for them as they walk off to school. That the power of God would keep them in this evil day. Because we are in evil days. That which was, the Bible is very clear. In the last days, those things that are called good will be called evil. And those things that are evil will be called good. We live in that generation. We absolutely live in it. If you're not praying for your kids as they go off to school, you are doing a disservice. You are not placing a spiritual protection around them that they need when they're in that place for six, eight hours every day. With their peers and with the things that are being taught, we need to get real with with what's happening. Absolutely, we need to wake up. We need to. We need to wake up. We are in a spiritual warfare, and when we allow t- our little children of s- from four going up to sixteen to go off into that environment without covering them in prayer we are spiritually dull if we do that I know I'm treading on toes as I speak but hey if I don't say it it may not get ever said so are we spiritual people we say that we are but are we we talk in tongues we speak in tongues we, we pray in tongues but when was the last time you did has praying in tongues become a thing where you... Ah, I can pray in tongues. I did it last month. It's like, no. When you pray in tongues, you pray the hidden wisdom of God. We don't know what we're praying for. But the Spirit prays through us the perfect prayer. Come on, let's be spiritual. Let's stir up the gift of speaking and praying in tongues... For the church, for our world, our community, our, our family, our loved ones. Come on, church. I feel like I'm exploding out here and it's like, oh, how can I say everything I want to say because there's so much to be said. Galatians 5 says this. Galatians five sixteen verse, uh, and 16 and, and verse 25 says, But I say, walk and live. Habitually in the Holy Spirit. Okay, I want to pause there. I say walk and live habitually. Okay, when you wake up in the morning, you habitually or by habit, you get dressed or you go into the bathroom or you get washed or you have breakfast or you go off to work. You do, you do something on a regular basis as a habit. This is what I always do the way I always do it. Yes, Okay, there's only a few of you that do. Let me try that again. Some of you don't get dressed when you go to work. That's terrible. Okay, let's work with this. So when you wake up in the morning, at some point in the morning before going to work, you get dressed. It's a habit of yours, yes? Yes. Well, praise the Lord for that. (laughs) Okay, this this is what this scripture is saying. There are daily habits, things that we always do. But I say to you, walk and live habitually in the Holy Spirit, responding to and controlled and guided by the Spirit. That's a normal Christianity. Then you will certainly not gratify the cravings and the desires of the flesh of human nature without God. We, 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 I, I uh, from a pastoral standpoint, we could be without a job, with pa- uh, pastoral care in marriages or pastoral parenting, sorting out, or pastoral issues within the church, because we are now living habitually in the Spirit and allowing the Holy Spirit to lead us and not fulfilling the gratification of the human desire without God. You have God living on the inside of you. Let's stop those things that habitually cause us and control us when we're actually we should be allowing the Spirit of God to live through us and to control us. And then it goes on in verse 25, if we live by the Holy Spirit, if we, Paul says this, if we live by the Holy Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. If by the Holy Spirit we have our life in God, let us go forward walking in line, our conduct controlled by the Spirit. The closer we walk with the Holy Spirit in our life, the more the flesh would drop off the control of this world would drop off the sin of this world it would be like it would be like the water and the oil don't mix and it appears the closer we get to the holy spirit the oil the less the wet of this world will attach itself to us because the spirit of god will repel it come on let 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 let, let the holy spirit fill you afresh i've just got oh, I've I'm going to have to move spirit filled living is normal Christianity spirit filled living normal Christianity should be sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with others just like someone at some point shared the good news of Jesus Christ with you but are we sharing the love of God are we witnessing to our work friends, our colleagues, our neighbours, the gym mates that you have? Not, hello Jimmy, how are you doing? I'm talking at the gym. Uh, are, we cha- are, we, are we talking to people about Jesus? Because that's normal Christianity. The Holy Spirit's presence living in us as believers. Do we live conscious of the Holy Spirit, his presence daily, in reverence and in awe, in wonder? I wonder. Yeah, when you're living in sin, you think, I wonder why God lives in me. But living in wonder, you live. You chose to use and to live in this vessel. First Corinthians 3, verse 16 says this. Do you not discern and understand that the whole church at Corinth are God's temple, his sanctuary? Uh, he's saying, look, the whole church. You know, just say with the church at Corinth. No, with the church at Bridgemere. The whole church at Bridgemere is God's temple, his sanctuary. And that God's spirit has his permanent dwelling in you to be at home in you. Collectively as the church. And also individually. Oh, when we gather here together, that's why church is so important. And that's why the spirit of this age, which is to disseminate, to draw and break down the church in the 21st century. That's why it is so evil. The breaking down of the church, because it clearly says here that collectively we are the church as we gather together and his presence dwells here. But don't just think it's only when we come together. He says, no, and also individually. We are the house in which God lives. It's not either or. It's not, oh, I can do church at home or I can do church in church. It's not either or. It is both. God lives here, his presence. There's something about the collective or the, 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 the collective What's the word? The collective anointing. No. The corporate anointing of God. When the body of Christ comes together. There's something that is so powerful. But it's no less powerful. His presence in you individually. That is the beauty of the word in our life. Three things. I'm going to finish with these. Receive the Holy Spirit. That's an instruction to every single one of us. Receive the Holy Spirit. Open up your heart and allow the Holy Spirit to rule and to reign in you. Uh, Acts chapter 8 verse 14, it says this. Now when the apostles were in Jerusalem, uh, were, who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them. Who, when they had come down, prayed for them that they may receive the Holy Spirit. For as yet uh, um, he had not fallen on them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid, laid hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. First thing I want to ask you today is this. Have you received the Holy Spirit? Have you received the Holy Spirit? That moment that you asked Jesus Christ to come into your life... I believe that moment the Spirit of God dwells in you. You receive the Holy Spirit. You are sealed with the Holy Spirit, a promise, according to Ephesians 1.13. Then it goes on, be baptized. Be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Baptism is Immersion. Now, we're talking about water baptism, but this is talking about being baptized in the Holy Spirit or to be overwhelmed by the Holy Spirit. Have you received the Holy Spirit at salvation? And have you been baptized in the Holy Spirit where the Spirit of God comes upon you and you are overwhelmed with him? Luke chapter 3 verse 16 says, John answered, saying to all, I indeed baptize you with water. We're going to get to our baptisms in water again in the summer. But one mightier than I, Jesus, is coming, whose sandal straps I'm not worthy to loose. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Is there a fire that's burning in your spirit? Is there a fire that's ignited on the inside of you? Oh, you may be filled with the Holy Spirit, that moment of salvation. But have you gone on to be baptized with the Holy Spirit where you are filled with Him? That fire is in your bones, that fire is coming out of your soul and your spirit. That you just want to set others alight for God on in on the inside. There's a third one. Third one is this be filled. So you be filled. Hang on, hang on. Where was my first one? Receive is the first one. Be baptized is the second one. And be filled is the third one. Receive, baptized, filled. Filled with the Holy Spirit, becoming full and overflowing. See, we should be living in the overflow of the Spirit of God in our lives. Not in the drought, not in the dry season, but in the overflow. So the Spirit of God is flowing from us. I'm going to read this passage from John. It says, John 7, verse 37. On the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone, are you and anyone? Yes, you are. Everyone and anyone, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Can you honestly say where you are right now? There is an outflow of your life, like rivers. Of living water. That the flow of God's spirit is flowing out of you like a river touching others wherever that river goes. Because this is what Jesus is saying for each and every one of them. If we cry out, if we believe in Jesus, if we trust in him, if anyone thirsts, are you thirsty this morning? If you're not thirsty, let me give you some food with some salt in it. Because whenever I have Chinese, it's like the next day, I I wake up in the night, I'm thinking, I just need a drink. Is anyone like me with Chinese food? It's like, oh, I need a drink. If anyone thirsts, we are called to be salt and light. Maybe our thirst is connecting to how salty we are. If you're not salty, you may not thirst. If you are salty, then you will thirst. And your thirst will be for him. Your thirst will be for the Spirit of God to begin to flow from you. Blessed is he who hungers and thirsts for righteousness. Maybe the the righteousness of your life is compromised. Therefore, you don't thirst or you're not hungry for more of God. But I just want to cause there to be a, a, a change, a shift in your life this morning. Do we say, oh no, I've missed it, I've, I've, I've been doing my own thing, I've been carnal. I'm going to go deeper than my ankles, I'm going to get into this river, I'm going to begin to, I'm going to, begin to swim in the things of God, I'm, to, I'm just going to surrender all. I surrender all. There comes a moment in all of our lives where we surrender all. That is your Kairos moment that you'll never look back. Because you've surrendered all. I remember that moment for me. Like I say, with a call, that moment of the call of God upon my life, I looked for excuses of why I shouldn't. I looked for excuses of why I couldn't speak, why I felt like Moses in the Old Testament. I can't speak, I can't speak very well, I can't read, I can't do, I can't, I can't. But when God calls, He equips. God has equipped you to do whatever he's called you to do. It may never be to stand out the front, but you could be the greatest witnesser. I remember there's a guy, an Australian guy, he used to stand at a particular doorway. What was his name? Can you remember? He used to stand at a particular doorway, and he used to step out with a leaflet as people walked past. He said, if you were to die today, where would you go? And he did this for 20 odd years. I can't remember the whole story. It's a beautiful story. But later in his life, a missionary comes to to this guy's door. And he says to him, he says, do you know the impact that you've had on other people's lives? And he said, no, no one ever came back to me and said, I got saved through your leaflet. He said, I want you to know, I was one of those people who got saved through your ministry. And I know of other people who have gone around the world who got saved just because you stepped out and said, if you died today, would you go to hell? And um, would you go to heaven? And he did that faithfully all those years. And there were tens of hundreds of people around the world who had come to know Jesus through this one man's act of asking that same question on the same street every day of his life for 20 years. Do you know what your simple You simply doing what you do in a simple way may make the difference for somebody else. It could be their Kairos moment. He had no idea that that leaflet was having such an effect. Your words carry the anointing of God. Don't limit God's ability. If he was able to use the shadow or the handkerchiefs of Peter and Paul, he can use you. His Spirit lives in you. But he spoke of the Spirit. He spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in Him would receive. That's me and you. For the Holy Spirit at that point had not been given. The Holy Spirit is God living in you. Isn't that amazing? Just think. The Holy Spirit in me. Is God living in me? Filling you, empowering you, anointing you, and flowing through you. Guess what? Nothing is impossible to you. Why? Because nothing is impossible to him. What does this word mean to you? How will this word impact your life tomorrow? Will it be, I've been to church, I heard a word, it was a great word. Oh, you should have heard that word, it's a great word. But what about Monday? What about the rest of this week? What about a month's time? Will it be a word that's forgotten? Or will this live forever in your heart? Let me just pray. Father, I thank you for your anointing that is upon your word. I thank you for every heart that has heard your word this morning. Holy Spirit, I pray that you seal this word upon our heart. I pray this morning, Lord, that you would remind us of this word. When we look for excuses, you'll remind us of kairos moments. When we look to not be your house, when we look to sin or other things, Lord, that you would remind us, God in us, the hope of glory. When temptation comes, Lord, help us to draw on the power and the presence of your spirit. Father, we pray, give us ears to hear, a heart to receive, and a willingness to obey. In Jesus' name, amen.